Okay, we are uh, into part two, three of Philemon. This is part. Yeah. Okay, verses four through seven is what we're going to uh, tackle tonight. Apostle Paul's writing this, writing this to uh, to Philemon. And you think of Paul, you have to think a man of great spiritual strength, don't you? Don't you think of the the, the strong Apostle Paul? But even notice how much he opens himself up and he brings you to his innermost person sometimes. He manifests who he is. And I mean, there's um, as strong as he is, you would think, well, for somebody to actually show emotions that he has and to show how he feels about people and for particular circumstances, you'd say, well, he would be open to maybe... Maybe there's a little bit of weakness there involved with him. I don't think there's any suspicion of that at all, is there? Paul is not weak at all. But he pours out his heart in in love. And you see uh, continual prayers throughout his uh, epistles that he made. Heartfelt prayers for groups, for churches, for individuals. This one is an individual today that he's dealing with. I think there's probably been very few men in the Christian realm who've been able to talk so much of their love and still do it without betraying, I guess you could say, that there's a shallowness, a self-consciousness that can happen with people. But he's able to do it freely. And so the strength and the I think the aspect of him showing himself inwardly is really a great balance. So he's not feeble, and his thoughts that he has are are not false. He's not lying about it. It's coming from the deepest affections that he can have for uh, for his people, for his friends, uh, for Christians. And of course, when you look at his epistles that he writes, how often in the prayers it seems like he always starts off with, almost always, with that he's thankful for that particular church, that particular individual, uh, except in Second Corinthians. And also Galatians. That kind of changes a little bit there. But he has the the habit of beginning with this, and sometimes he just really shows strong uh, emotions. Uh, but he's feeling lovingly uh, to the um, people of God. And what he does is he recognizes the good out of particular people. This being Philemon, he recognizes all the goodness that's in him. It's always God's goodness that's there. That's what qualifies that. But you know, his heart is just filled with joy because of this Philemon. And so he recognizes that good and he wants to draw out even more good because we, we haven't arrived. We might be people that really care, that really love, there's always room for more. And that's what Paul is out after because we, we continue to grow. We don't stop. We don't stagnate. Um, Paul is a teacher. The strongest there was there just uh, except for the person of Christ and that's seen through his um, doctrinal letters. But teachers must love. Teachers must have that balance. If their teaching is going to help, it's going to be because of the love that they have, that they put into it, they put it out, and then as they uh, fellowship, discipleship people. Um, and so he's showing just, I think, an absolute confidence in this Philemon, in, in the things that he had done and, and, and the person that he was. He has quite a character. Philemon really does. A very good characteristics. And... Um, we know what we see here is Paul is very kind in his remarks. He does not come out attacking Philemon or trying to find something wrong in him. That's not at all what his push is behind this. He begins with the thankfulness. Then he gives the occasion for his thankfulness as we see in verse 5 and 6 and 7. Paul has an object in this letter. And the object is is forgiveness. And not that we're trying to pinpoint on one or two people here that haven't been forgiving. Ah, let's go to Philemon. But we want to make our forgiveness better. You know, even better. We haven't arrived at that yet, have we? <laughs> yeah, Bob. <I'm>, no. <laughs> Point, no. 
Blame it on the drummer. That's what I always say. Hey, that's, that, that's the guy you can always go for. It's the drummer. <laughs> but you can't do that here because you're a keyboard player. So it's Condor. Tom <laughs> Gondor. Oh, okay. Would you rather be a percussionist? Uh, he's appealing to Philemon in a really loving way and a convincing way. I mean, it's very convincing. He lays all this out. And starting at verse 8 through most of the rest of the chapter, he's going to lay down one after another. But you think about our society today, and it takes pride in not being forgiven. They do not want to forgive, and it's becoming more and more like that. They could care less. Society could care less about forgiveness. Uh, and I think it could probably be a not only a, a big contributor, I think it might be the major contributor of the destruction of relationships, whether it be two people or other people, but you know, in a in a marriage relationship. Forgiveness is the big deal ultimately, isn't it? No matter what one has done against another, we know that Christians are still to forgive. So in our culture, I think you could at least say there's an absence of forgiving. But you can look at our society and it's filled with bitterness. It's, it's filled with anger, uh, wrath, vengeance, hate. Selfishness. Selfishness. That's, and that sums it all up. They, make it, they, they say that that makes you tough. You know, they say that that, that, that makes oh. you tough. Yeah, right. You're weak right. if you forgive. Right. And it's not a virtue to, to be forgiving or merciful. Exactly. Uh, and actually, society has said that all throughout. And that's... And that's how bullies come about. Because the bully is bullied, and then they go about to bully others, and then those who they bully, bully others, almost like a discipleship. <laughs> they have their own discipleship. That's right. You know, when some of those kids who come up and tell those bullies, you know, I forgive you, you know, those bullies kind of, they, the whole world is kind of shatters apart. Because they, they haven't forgiven, but somebody has forgiven them for the same thing. So it's right. So, what is yeah. forgiveness? So if you have a bunch of people forgiving, then that's going to do what the other side is doing there. There are counselors today that will tell you that it is unhealthy to forgive. And you know, at first I would think, that doesn't make any sense. I can't believe that. But I find out if if a couple goes to a secular counselor, even Christian counselors sometimes, they go to secular counselors. If one of them wants to get a divorce, do you know what they do? They encourage them to get a divorce. You would think a marriage counselor would want to keep people together. That's not what the push is. I don't know how many times I've seen where, well, you know what? In your case, it'd be better that if you do go ahead and do what you feel. And what you feel is best. And in this case, I think I think you need to get a divorce. I can't, I can't ever think of a reason why anybody should ever be encouraged to that. There are probably some things that we could, you know discuss on that issue but as, as a blanket statement you know you're saying well there's no reasons well biblically there is but there's a higher plane to go to and uh, of course that's found in uh, certain books of the Bible and Hosea is one of the chief examples of that but anyway there there was a book out called um, Toxic Parents has anybody ever heard of that one? Ah, uh, you know what I'm talking about um, the author was Forward, Susan Forward, something like that, I believe. So, you know, okay, do you know that there was a chapter in there entitled, You Don't Have to Forgive, in that book? You Don't Have to Forgive. Um, I think it was in that book. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, that's the culture's attitude towards forgiveness. And that's almost unspeakable in the Christian realm. I mean, in the Christian realm, if, if you're committed to Scripture, we know that forgiveness is commanded. There is not another option. Uh, but in that toxic parents' uh, thought, it's stated that you're a, if, if you're having trouble in, in the world, you're a victim of your parents who poisoned you. And until you put the blame on them, and, of course, that's where it belongs to say, you're not going to be a healthy person. 
Wow. You're not going to be healthy? Yeah, Bob. Um, I had a chance to rewatch a movie I hadn't seen in decades. Well, maybe two decades. I don't know. Breakfast Club? Anybody else ever seen that? And that theme is all through that movie about how the parents are the blame, are the, you know, are, are the cause of every problem that the children are having. You know, and these kids are in detention in school, and that's all they talk about is how much trouble they have with their parents. And of course, some of the stuff was legit, but it, it just it was like the theme there, the message you're getting is, you know, parents are bad and kids well, are the victim. I, I, I've, uh, I've heard from like film analysts and critics that that movie it does have that reality in the movie, but it's only the perception of the children. Sure. Because the actual like at yeah, the that's their perspective. At the beginning of the movie, they show the parents in the car with each of the kids before they get mm-hmm. sent to detention, mm-hmm. and they're just the ultimate example of what an evil parent is. You know, each one has its own uh, extreme. And so the idea is that things change when you grow up and you look back and uh, and you see that, well, maybe they weren't that bad. (laughs) You know, the parents weren't that bad, but uh, that's just what I've heard. Yeah. Well, and of course you can take that movie and then you can look at other films or TV shows especially. How many times do they make the parents look stupid? Yeah. You know, and, and of course it's of maybe in a comedy way. What would you say? In all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just about anything that we believe in is pretty well turned around... Opposite, isn't yeah, no, it? I'm saying anything down. on TV is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember thinking that way too when I was young, you know, about the older generation too. So I think it's kind of natural anyway, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to push it too hard. Right. But um, when you think, and really what we're going to be looking at here today is the spiritual character of this. Philemon, and he is one who is not a product of society. He's a product of the Lord, the Word of God, and what, um, of course, Paul had a big part to play in that. But the world is out after, uh, you know, vengeance, not necessarily forgiveness. Uh, So in here we're going to see the kind of person who forgives, even when he's not even thinking about it, He's already that kind of person when he's a Christian. And Paul, you could ask, well, how in the world did Paul know this guy so much? Well, for one thing, he probably helped bring him to the Lord, probably helped him help disciple him as he went on back to his hometown, Colossae, and the church uh, came born from there. He uh, So they knew each other. They were fellow workers. Uh, soon ergos ergos's energy to work soon is dealing with with um, together with so you know he knew the man they loved each other uh, they were Christians and uh, so that's that's a key point Paul ha- has a lot to say about him just in these few short verses so why don't we uh, open up the word Philemon verse 4 I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints and I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have a much, much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Isn't that nice? And it's true. You see love and you see truth here coming from Paul. And this is a prayer. It's a prayer for Philemon. I mean, it, it can be a prayer that you know you could incorporate into your own life and such, but really it's meant for him. 
it's not even meant for the church at Colossae. It's meant directly for him. And that's how a personal relationship that Paul had with this fellow worker, this fellow um, brother in Christ. And he's thanking God for his piety. By the way, it's interesting as this starts with, I thank my God always. You know, and it's not to say we're not going around thanking people because we are. I mean, we should be doing that. But there is the sense that really, I thank the Lord for you. Now, because it's God's work through them, now we have more of a God-centered view rather than just a man-centered view when we say, hey, I thank you for doing that. But it's a good kind of habit to get into. I thank God for you. Because that's the way that Paul always introduced these thanksgiving. Thank God. And so that's how he starts. I don't have anything other than to say to God that thank you, Lord, for Philemon. I don't have any negatives about Philemon. Real quick. Uh, yeah. some, some CDs that I have uh, are Christian artists. You know, some of them will have uh, thank their thank you dedication slash page thing. And, uh, some of them say thank you, and then it starts with you know, my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. But then there are a few that go, we thank God for, and then it goes. <laughs> I, I always like those. I think yeah. the Saturday North's one. I think that's more biblical, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Even if they did have something negative about the that's not really the time to bring it to God anyway. Yeah. You know, he already knows, and it's like, you know, the point from own. <laughs> yep. So, um, I think as as he thanks God here, it's like he is, I think you can say he's he's joyful about this. You know, and, and he really enjoys uh, thinking about God's people and then thanking God, it's it's a lot better than sometimes where he has to pray for uh, a church, let's say, and and he's grieving about it, right? Yeah, the Galatians. So this is really good to see because there's nothing in here to correct Philemon. It's not that. You can say, well, he's trying to convince him of forgiveness and maybe he's not being forgiven here. We don't know about that, but there's definitely an encouragement to do that. No, no doubt about that. But there's there's nothing in here to suggest to us that Philemon was out of line in any case. Sometimes even to Timothy, you know, he'd, he would have to say, you know, you know, wake up. You know. And so... Um, there's no error in Philemon's theology. Uh, it was, you know, there wasn't something like a problem in his home or with his wife, you know, in his marriage. And it's like he's saying, everything I know about Philemon, Lord, I say thanks to you, God, for him. Well, that's that's really good. This is, this is because the slave ran off, right? Right. So all because, uh, yeah, and just to sum that up. Onesimus is the slave of Philemon. He stole and he ran away. Wound up by the sovereignty of God and the providence of God under the ministry of Paul. He wasn't looking for Paul. He was out in the streets. And somehow he winds up in this house arrest. And there he is. Only God can do that. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? That's probably why why Paul here wasn't looking for you know, forgive him because you know the grace of God led him here, so that I can send it back to you. You know, after first ministry, then you know, I think in that kind of you know whole thing, says you know his slave, you know God ordained all things, so He ordained that. You know, the guy was acting on his own behalf, and God used that and led that his his actions of sin to Paul to be ministered to to go back. You know, and, um, and he delivered this message, didn't he? He delivered this letter, right? Did Paul write this letter and Paul, give it to uh, Paul? Paul wrote it, and of course Timothy's uh, with us here. Um, Do we know who delivered the letter back to? Probably Epaphras, because okay. Epaphras 
also went to Colossae and uh, Philemon knows him. As, uh, there's a fellow worker and I believe it is Epaphras. Uh, matter of fact, in verse 23 it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. Well, of course, he was with him. I have to... Uh, you know, uh, I'll have to go and look on that. My introduction, my introduction to the book here indicates it. Uh, says, um, a well-to-do citizen of Colossae by the... Oh, I'm sorry. The same messenger who transported the Ephesian and Colossian letters, Tychicus. Tychicus. How do you pronounce that? Yeah, that's right. He delivered letters, didn't he? The messenger had Onesimus as his companion. Along with him. Because Onesimus is going back. He's sending him back. But yeah, Tychicus was there. Thank you, Bob. I I believe that's that's probably the probability about it. We're not for sure, but yeah, you know what? Just drawing from way back in the past, I think I've heard that. Very good. And it's interesting too that Onesimus having been his slave, um, if he had any dirt on Philemon, he would have told Paul. And so you could have had Paul writing to Philemon saying, hey, be nicer. Yeah, that's true. Right, you know? right. <laughs> a good point. Excellent. That that is so true. And there wasn't anything that he could he could tell him. And and you know he's he's not trying to say hey I don't want him. You it's not that you can't be his master anymore. But there's a higher level, and of course he's going to get to the deal with fellowship and such. The the extreme idea is this is if. If he wants, if Onesma goes back and he wants to be underneath him, that's fine. But what happens? Let's say Philemon says, "You know what? I don't want you as a slave anymore. But I'll be glad to. Uh, I, I forgive you what you what you did and running away. You know, he he owned him. You know, in that sense. But it doesn't say anything against slavery in here. It's even though you know we're we're not for slavery." But in the same sense, that was really the culture at that time. And it wasn't always bad. If you had a good master, they treated you like, and you worked for them. If you didn't have them, you may not, you might be out of a job, a place to live, and, and food being taken care of. So it was a little different then, but yeah, Barb. Is there any information in any sort of document that may intimate as to why this ran away anyway? Uh, probably had took an opportunity, wanted to be a free man, and but and so he just took off. I was actually about to say that, uh, and this is just me speculating, but could it be that Onesimus, since it appears that he wasn't being treated wrongly, could it be that the fact that Philemon was having all these Christians at his house, the gospel was being an, an aroma of death to him, so he had to get away. And eventually, maybe he gets to Rome, and he encounters sin and says no, and then goes back to the faith, and ends up right back to it. I'm just speculating. Yeah, yeah, all sorts of things can run across to there as you think about it. Yeah, because people can get highly offended whenever somebody has wasn't a Christian before, and they turn out to be a Christian, and they just go crazy with it, right? Start inviting people over at their house and having Bible studies and whatever. Slaves weren't educated back then, so maybe he ran away to get educated. Yeah, they were educated. That's true. That's true. Because I mean, Joseph. Joseph was a slave, and then he was because he was a well slave. You know, he did well. He learned well. He was put in charge of much more. So it's like, you know, it's not like slavery where, you know, here in America, yeah, their slaves were, they, their slaves even had houses, their slaves on land. Uh, Chris Brady is, uh, he's, 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 he's uh, one of the guys from, like, leadership, one of the leaders, and he does a lot of research and a lot of history, and he has to talk about uh, culture and slavery and stuff like that and the difference. And also, John MacArthur's book, Slave, talks a lot about, you know, slavery back then and what it means because they took the word slave and they, they kind of turned it into a servant. And he's defining the difference between being a slave and being a servant. And the two level differences just in the words themselves. And so... Yeah, it was in the Bible. Yeah. 
Very good book, by the way. That's that's, that's excellent thought. But it gives you a really good handle of what was going on. And that was much of society. Most of your probably many of your Christians were, were slaves. I, I mean, you know, in the in the real physical sense as well as slave of Christ. Right. But that fits right into this the story of Philemon and Onesimus and Paul. And Paul had this goal to bring you know, a, a perfecting of Christian character. He's aspiring that people would become even more and more like Christ. And and then you can think of the doing of good, the kindness, the beneficence that um, Paul is valuing here and, and uh, as a means of growth. Let's go to... Um, that was verse 4. I thank my God always. And that's that's like every time that he's thinking, you know, about when a person comes up in their mind... He starts thanking God for them. And, and, of course, we see the things that he's thanking Him for. He says, I make mention of you in my prayer. Isn't it great whenever you hear from somebody and they say, hey, listen, I'm praying for you. Not, not anything particular. They're just praying for you, for your, your welfare in Christ. And uh, so I just want you to know, you know, some of the people here uh, pray on Tuesday nights after the Bible study. And believe me, your name has been mentioned. <laughs> We're praying for you, not in negative tone, but it's, that's that's you know that grow even more. So anyway, let's go to the second part, verse five and six. This is loaded because I hear of your love and of the faith. We'll stop there for a moment. Love and faith; those are two key words. He hears about it. Well, probably hears it through Epaphras. Um. That's that's the idea. He, he knows it. You know, he, he hears more and more about him. And of course, he's he knows who he is, and he's hearing good things. When you hear about somebody that as they're growing in the Lord, you haven't seen them maybe in a little while, it doesn't do your heart good. I mean, this is for real, and they're becoming stronger. Um, he's almost less worried about him. Right? Yeah, and, and you know, he's there. He is. He brings his name up to God. You know, and that, well, that's precious. People do that. First thing he says, I hear about that you have true faith. That your faith is actually genuine. It's real. Uh, and he, so, so he says, hey, I'm telling you, Philemon, I know your faith is real. And you can forgive because you have such a concern for the Lord. Because you trust in the Lord. Because you are His. Because your faith is genuine. You have the ability to forgive. You have been forgiven. So you can forgive, truly forgive. So what we have here is a faith to God and a love to the saints. And we'll get to that in a moment because the way that translations read is somewhat confusing here when it says the, fa- the love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And you see that word faith, we don't have faith towards the saints, do we? But we have love towards us. This is a crisscross that's happening here, or um, I think I think the word is uh, I forgot. It's, it's, it comes out. It's a keistic arrangement. That's what it is. A keistic. That means you go back and you see the word love. It's going to be tied not necessarily to the Lord Jesus, but to the saints. Then what is faith tied to? Towards the Lord Jesus. So there's your crisscross, and I don't know how your particular version runs, but most of them I've seen are that way. My NAS is that way. But it's using the, what the Greek had set up, and that was uh, a technique that was used in writing. So. Oh, really? Oh, well, cool. That's, hey, all right. Thanks. Yeah, well, that figures. <laughs> so he says, by the way, you, you have, it's a present tense, you continue to have an ongoing, continuous nature of concern towards the Lord. So when he says, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have. It's not only now, but it has been. It's going on right now and it continues to go. So that, that's the idea. Continuous nature. Continuous trust. 
unwavering faith here we have from Philemon. So he commends him about his his faith. Uh, it's like Philemon, you know, you are one who seeks God's will. You know, you, you trust in him. I, I know you can forgive. <laughs> he's not saying that, hey, okay, here it is. But he, that's what he's leading up to. That's really where it's heading. But he's setting this up. And if he has all of this stuff, the forgiveness is there, right? It's implied right now. Right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How can he say, no, I can't, you know, after that? I wonder which, I wonder as he reads this letter, I wonder which part really, like, makes him realize what Paul's really asking. Like, you know, which part of this, as soon as he starts reading, makes him go, like, oh, I'm going to have to forgive him one time. You know? Yeah, well, right, right here in verse 4, I thank God. And then about his faith and his love. And, and so, like, what are you getting at here, Paul? <laughs> you know, what are you getting at here? That's right, right. Uh, Paul, you're you're get, He's melting him. Uh, Ephesians four thirty two. Of course, this is the four. The fourth chapter in Ephesians is do. First three chapters are here's what you are. So now you can do, and one of those is this: be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, and. If that's not enough, then he says this, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. <laughs> that's right. There's the example. Ephesians 4.32. There's the, a series of commands that are given in chapter 4 and we're quali- that is qualified by the first three chapters. We can do that because of what, who we are. Kindness is authentic where if you're just being nice, that can be either authentic or not. If you're, if, you know, when somebody says be nice, well, you can act like you're nice. But you can do it outwardly. You know. Right. But being nice is not the same as being kind. And kind yeah. is, is the fruit of the Spirit. Exactly. Kind Love, of joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's authentic. It's an intentional thing whether you feel that way or not. You're, you still do it. Right. Um, I I know there's an illustration out that um, somebody's about. Oh, she's getting marks all over. She's giving herself tattoos. <laughs> uh, it's like um, there's a great big huge mud puddle, and somebody's going to have to walk through that. And somebody takes now this might be an extreme, but they take their coat off and put it over the mud puddle to allow somebody to walk over. Now you know I know. <laughs> I'm not telling you. Yeah. Not telling you to give up your coat, but it's it's going out of the way to do something for somebody. You know, kindness. What's that? That's right. You don't feel like it, maybe, or you don't want to, but yet at the same time, there's and it's so related to agape. Right. Very close. Mm-hmm. Have you guys uh, heard of Todd? Is Todd White? He's a, he's a pastor. He's an evangelist. He once was like, he was an atheist at one point. He, he's got dreadlocks. I don't know if you guys. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. He's a really cool guy. He was telling a story once about he saw this guy with the wind, and he knew like the Lord was telling him to pray for this guy. And he tried to pray for the guy, but the guy was like, no, no, no. And they walked into a McDonald's, and the guy had ordered some food, and he had pulled his money out of his pocket and was counting the change. And Todd White just like goes up and swipes his car real quick to pay for the guy's bill. And he was like, "Man, I had to step a few few feet back because I thought he was gonna hit me in the face." <laughs> you know, he was so mad. And so eventually, he the guy after because the guy was real angry because he was broke. But Todd White was just showing like this mercy and this grace and this love for this guy. You know, like you're talking about. Um, Kindness, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys, and he was being so just because he wanted nothing from this guy, and so he was able to pray for this guy and healed the guy's pain from his leg. And the guy freaked out. <laughs> he was like, "Like man, what are you?" He's like, ah, "I'm just a Christian." He's like, "No, nah, you ain't a Christian. I know Christians. And you ain't a Christian." And like in the end, the, the guy ended up calling him Jesus. He's like, "No, nah, man, you Jesus." And like, leaves Todd White alone, you know, because he's freaked out. And um. So it's it's interesting, you know. He he had to go through, you know. He put himself out there. He was being graceful, and you know, 
was doing that not to get a praise or not to get anything from this guy, uh, but to be an example of Christ. And, would you say it'd be like having this kind of attitude right. you carry around with and then acting upon that yeah. then, right? So. Yeah. Um, well, kind of, you know, sorry, there, yeah, there's that side of things where you could be going out of your way, but then there could also be the kindness you show amidst somebody or others making it hard for you. Right. You know, and then you and then you heat burning coals on their head every time you're being tired. Right. Well, this too will do something good. I mean, I would be lying if I said I totally did it out of pure beneficence or love. Sometimes I do because it makes me And that's that's a result uh, out of that. I mean, it's just something that the Lord. Uh, puts into us and, and and this all is done because of our faith it's not because of our own little action our own selves it's because of faith that has been put into us and so that's gearing right back into that verse 5 because I hear of your love and your faith we're, we're hitting faith first um, I think you know if, if you look at that he loves the Lord he wants to honor the Lord he expresses his faith in in the Lord um, he, he has a new nature. When you have a new nature, now you can forgive. Now you have that attitude of that. He's a new creation. He has the indwelling spirit, giving him that ability now to really do it rather than an, just an outward um, aspect. Anybody can do some of those random kind acts, but one who really has faith is spoken of that way. Your next word is love towards the saints. And... And he says, you have this. So you have faith towards the Lord that He's given you, and then you have the love toward all the saints. And um, there's your chiastic arrangement as we were talking about the crisscrossing. I have to think of Romans 5.5 5 because not only was love involved with our salvation, and I like this word in verse 5, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Poured out. It's a constantly overflowing. Not only salvation, but throughout our whole lives. And so He has this kind of love towards His fellow believers. And and of course, He had to express it. And He must have talked about His faith to the saints and love is just manifested, I think, by Philemon. A genuine faith uh, towards the love. This is how you honor the very image of God. And of course, when you think of the love, you think of what? The self-sacrifice. You think about the caring and making a sacrifice. It's going to be based upon the, the faith is. And uh, there's always... you know, It's not because somebody sees you and... and but it's the very power of God that comes out rather than maybe you just being uh, something about you that's attractive, but it's the love of God that's coming through because of that faith. It's the power of God, as a matter of fact. Uh, he's the one that moves in me. I think of First Thessalonians 4.9 and there we have, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. We're taught by Him. This love of the brethren is is given to us so we can do it. He pours it out. He puts it in. And we are to work out our salvation, work out your love. You're taught by God then to love the brethren. Then in verse 10, yeah. but, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. That, oh, good. Thanks. That's where that's at right there. We never have enough love. We need to just overabound on it. I mean, that's a, that's great for all of us to learn right there. Oh, you forgive? Well, you, can you even forgive even more? Can you do 70 times 7? We've done 2 or 3 times. Okay, that's enough, right? But I want you to love even more. Sometimes it feels like you forgive... And then, you know, the same thing happens again by the same person. And you talk to that person and 
you know, it, it kind of fakes in for a little bit, but then the same thing happens again. It's just that, that repetition, you know, and, you know, you try to you try to do what you can to help to make sure that it doesn't happen again, but it ends up happening again, and it's just, like, more and more against you. So it's hard, you know, to be so loving and forgiving at the same time. You know, Let's get in that attitude. I don't care about myself. I care about you. I mean, that's dying. That's dying to self. And that's exactly what Paul is practicing here, and that's what he wants uh, Philemon to do, to give up that right that he has out in the world. Barb, I think you had something to do with Would, could we say would we be safe to say this is part of sanctification yeah. it's loving even more and more and we we can't ever reach the max on that can we Yeah, she didn't really even want to do that at first. She knew she had to. And she did it. And there's, I think that's an excellent example of there's a feeling that we have. And if the feelings can be right or the feelings can be wrong, but if you go with what you know to be true, she overcame those feelings that she had and let let Christ win in her life. Yeah, she gave God Exactly. She she couldn't do it, but God did, and that's the whole point. Joseph forgives his brother, and then points to God and says he was behind this all along. Yep. So having that that broad theology helps you um, helps you understand that all things are happening for our good and his glory. Well, those missionaries and that movie, End of the Spear, the Indians, you know, how all those men were killed mm-hmm. and yet they kept ministering to them eventually. And they became Christians there. Yeah. And <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you would think uh, Elizabeth Elliot would have not ever forgiven, but she's she goes back there and Look at well, everybody knows that that's history after that. There's um, so Paul's like saying, "Hey, I know you can forgive. Why? Because your faith is real, and your love is real, right?" Okay. The next word is fellowship. You have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, and I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective. Fellowship. You know, we think of fellowship. We think about going out to a, a restaurant and eating and. You know, having some laughs, having some good conversation and everything. Um, And there is definitely time for that. That, That's a good thing. But uh, this kind of fellowship is, it's a fellowship that's in Christ. Uh, 1 John 1 talks about that fellowship. Uh, It's a, faith pursues fellowship. You care about the body of Christ. Um, We we want harmony in the body of Christ. We want a unity that is put there by Christ. God. There's no place for individualism in Christianity, is there? No place at all for a Lone Ranger approach. Uh, it means becoming more and more in tune with the other believers that are in the church, local church, and goes beyond to the rest of the church that expands out to other churches in your town, in your state, in 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 the country, in the world. You know, I care about this fellowship. I care about you. I care about our unity. I care about our mutual sharing. And fellowship is the word koinonia. Koinonia is a, it's actually, uh, you know, it's defined as um, having something mutually together. 
it even becomes even more than that. It, it's talking about mutually belonging to each other. That knocked me out. We belong to each other. I belong to you. You belong to me. Why? Because we're in the body of Christ. Each cell needs the other cells. He's the head. We're part of the body. You belong to me. So, you know, and then he says, you know, Philemon's actions, I think, were very powerful in, in what he had done uh, there, especially locally. Um, and there was a mutual partnership that he's having. I, I think he lays it on here, if, if you think of the rest of the letter, Onesimus is going to be coming back. Oh, Philemon, Onesimus is coming back. You know now that Onesimus is a Christian. He's a believer. He's a brother there, Philemon. And he's a Christian and he's in the fellowship. He belongs to you. You belong to him. Fellowship. It's not just a partnership and it is a partnership, but it's the fellowship of the faith that they have. And it says to uh, it's effective. That it may become effective and that means to to work energeo, energy, power word, um, working, powerful, effective. You get the idea? That's what's happening there. Uh, this man now belongs to me as my slave, but as my brother, my brother needs forgiveness. It doesn't matter what a man does to you or a woman does to you or whatever. There's still that forgiveness. Paul was really concerned about the partnership. Philemon's concerned about the partnership. It's a mutual participation. And we belong to each other. Wow. I think that's an incredible thought. I I like how uh, it says, mine says that the sharing of your faith may become effective with full knowledge of every good thing. But, uh, so it sounds like, you know, whenever people say, hey, let's just hang out sometimes. Well, sometimes that doesn't sound good to people because they're like, what are we going to do? Right. <laughs> How about we should get together and do this with each other? Or, you know, let's, let's hey, I want to hang out with you, but I think we need something to do, you know. Yeah. There's a thing that we got to do, you know. So I like how there's a purpose to gathering having a fellowship as opposed to just hanging out. You're talking about sharing the things of God, aren't right, you? Right, right. That's what I mean. So like like with the, the uh, Pilgrim's Progress study, I knew that I wanted to hang out with these guys, but I wanted it to be different from any of the other times we've hung out in, in the past. I wanted it to be with the purpose of Oh, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Let's talk about God now. <laughs> there are about, bigger things we can share get our into. Faith yeah. and our testimony and our, our trials and everything. So that was the idea. That it was. It, I, I'm all about purpose and meaning, and I don't do anything unless it has a meaning. <laughs> but that was one of the reasons. And that's and that's called a true fellowship because right. it was centered around the things of Christ. Right. It's wonderful like, how when you come together in those moments, and this time just flies by. Like, yeah. You almost, because when, when, you know, when we come together and have fellowship, you know, everybody's just having such a great time. Like, it's time that you can't experience outside of yeah. a believing group. You know, there's so many times where you hang around with non-believers and you just don't have that same level of connection. You're like looking at your watch. And, like. and you kind of <coughs> start to, you know, you feel the desire to go and have that fellowship. And when you finally have that fellowship, it's just like, it's like you never, never stop. It just, it keeps going and going. You always have more and more to share. That's always real cool. That's our purpose, you know, that's right here on earth that's why we're here to be with each other and God likes that it brings Him glory and ultimately we're going to be talking about His things He can't help but bring up scriptures or something that He's doing you know this word and this is how we gain knowledge it's through each other and that's the next word there that faith may become effective that's that power word there energeo through the knowledge 
that the faith will become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you. What's every good thing? We'll come back to the knowledge. Every good thing is everything that the Lord has put into you. You're not lacking in anything that God wants you to have. Every good thing. One of them is forgiveness. You know, but let's go back to this. Through the knowledge of every good thing, the word there is epignosis. Gnosis is a word for knowledge. The Gnostics got you know they got that name from that, and, and, and it means to know, to be in the know. Epignosis is a preposition. It's, it's popped on top of this. It amplifies it. It means to have deep knowledge of an intimate not to really know. You know, hey, I know of somebody. But then when you have spent time with them, you've done things together, you know each other really well, right? That that can be an epignosis. So it's not just knowing, but it's a deep knowledge. It's a rich knowledge. It's a it's a full knowledge. I'll get to the key word. It's an experiential knowledge something that you've done. We could read and read of all the books we want about forgiveness and say, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's good. Look at these Scriptures. You know, they're like in Ephesians and Colossians that we're to forgive each other and, and that's good. You have to have the knowledge first before you can practice it. Doctrine first and then you practice it. It's always that way. But it doesn't stop with just the doctrine. We have to put it into practice. So this epignosis is having the experience of forgiving. So when one gets the opportunity, now they've experienced, now they know what it's really like. They have gone through it. They have done it. They're not just reading about it. It's not just in a personal acquaintance with truth, but it comes through going through that. So if you forgive this guy, Philemon, it's not you just heard about forgiveness, but it's immediately experiencing the good that you can get. It's experiencing the good thing that's in you, the good thing which is in you for for Christ's sake. Yeah, Barb. Well, that's it is epignosis. In Latin, and I would imagine in Greek, epi means above. I think that's yeah, a good same. way to describe it. It's not just love. It's Above or knowledge, it's not just knowledge; it's above knowledge. Beyond, yep. yeah. right? That's and that's that's the idea here. That's, and, and so it's it's goes way beyond just knowing something, but it, then then it's doing. It's one thing to preach and teach one thing. There's another one when you're preaching something of some things that you actually know of. You've gone through that. You know what this is. It's been a part of your life. Now it really makes an impact. And that's that's the idea of epignosis, uh, this deep kind of knowledge. Um, so we're to exercise what God has given. So if you back that up now, he says, okay, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become, a, as you work with, with people in, in the body of Christ, of your the faith that you have may become effective, that, that it would work, that it would become powerful through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you, knowing that you have this forgiveness in you and that it becomes an experience of forgiveness. Now, do you see why he would say that? Which is in you for Christ's sake. He says, once you do it, Philemon, you're going to experience something that you haven't felt and done before. It's going to be just a marvelous thought of what God has done in you. So there's a lot of difference between looking at a picture in a book and then actually doing it. Like a picture in a book can have somebody skiing on the mountains. I've not done this before. And, you know, taking jumps, you know, and, and such. And wow, that's really cool and everything. Or, or out in out in the ocean. Did you guys get in the water and get down into the water and dive in there out in Hawaii in the blue water? You know, you, I've seen all those pictures. I haven't experienced that. You guys got to experience it. I see the picture. Did Did you guys see the picture where they're, where they're underwater and they get? Yeah. Was that a selfie underwater? <laughs> That's a cool picture though. Don't do that with your phone, please. Don't do that. <laughs> If I ever want to go in the water, unless you have the new iPhone eight, what was that? An iPhone eight? No. no. Really, I didn't know that. 
Oh, seven, excuse me. <laughs> hey, they come out so quick. Yeah, they do. He's thinking ahead. Yeah. They hadn't even had that thought of water, but they that's the next one. That's the next one. Yeah, I think they do that because How many times? Yeah. Anyway. Okay, we're we're right at the end here. Which is in you. This every good you have every good work in you. He works in us. He, we work it out. Philippians chapter two verse thirteen. He works in us. We work it out. Here, he has the forgiveness. All the good things. Everything's there for Christ's sake. Ah, this deals with God's glory. He finally got it in there. You always see this. It's about God. And actually, in the Greek, it says unto Christ. Which really it's the fellowship, the priority of the fellowship is this unto Christ, for God's glory, for Christ's sake. Um, he says, Philemon, you're all about for God's glory, which is in you. It's for Christ's sake. You're concerned about the glory of Christ, Philemon. Don't you want to forgive? If you forgive Onesimus, it'll bring glory to God. Now, he hasn't said that yet, but that's really where he's heading, isn't it? He's setting up, as I said earlier. I can't say in one moment, I want to do all to the glory of Christ, but I don't think I'm, I can forgive that person. I, yeah, I live for the glory of God, but I don't forgive. Ah, uh, how can you give glory to God? Anytime you, anytime you times a positive with a negative, even if the positive is a billion, and you have one <laughs> minus, it makes just shot it, hasn't it? Yeah. Talk about the knowledge, a deeper knowledge, and part of that uh, is kind of experiencing the human side of forgiveness. I know that we know that the Lord forgives all things, so we're forgiven from the Lord. But sometimes it makes a big difference when you've done something wrong to somebody else, and that person has already forgiven you, and they tell you this. They forgive you, and you know you're kind of left wondering, like, how could you already forgive me if I haven't apologized yet? And so it's like you go to apologize, seeking forgiveness, and you apologize, and they've already forgiven you, and that makes the knowledge and the deeper knowledge of forgiveness even greater. So it's like you're able then to know what it feels like to be forgiven physically in a more kind of like in a more realistic, almost like almost you really understand then what God means by when He forgives you. Because it's like almost you don't really know it until you know, you kind of experience forgiveness. You know, until you experience what it feels to be forgiven versus reading about forgiveness. It's like reading a book about what apples taste like and then tasting an apple for the first time. Yeah. It's, it's kind of that I think, and, and that's exactly what Paul is setting up here. This is the scenario, isn't it? That's that's what he's doing, and he, and he wants him to practice it. Me reminds me Jean Valjean and Le Miserable because here's this totally downtrodden, uh, what could be seen as the scum of the earth uh, on the on the uh, escape, you know, and, and he gets shelter from a priest and from, you know, the sanctuary there. He gets sanctuary, and, and then he steals from that sanctuary, and, you know, he was welcomed at first, and he, because he's a thief and that's all he knows to do, he steals, and then they, he gets caught, he gets taken back, and then he gets forgiven despite, you know, it's a second chance even after that first chance. And it floors him, you know. He, he gets angry, like right. you were saying, that one guy got Yeah. He gets, uh, he's all confused. And But then, the reason I say it reminds me of Anisimus is because Paul is almost like, uh, he taught him probably know the gospel and the gospel finally clicked for this guy and that's what happened to Jean Valjean and he became a new person and that's why Paul is saying hey 
that guy that stole from you and left, you're not going to get him back. You're going to get the right. same person. Which is much, my much brighter. Yeah. Like yeah. Great. My child. God never let him forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to verse 7. And, uh, oh, Debbie. put a wrap on this. Let's look at 7 here and see how he uh, ends this prayer. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints this tells you a lot right here have been refreshed through you, brother. Here it is. Love and he he definitely demonstrated amongst his people and Paul says he's rejoicing. And the news that he gets back from whether it be from different people or whatever. There are, there are fruits of a grace here. Uh, and this is true joy. The man had a reputation for true Christ-like love. And he says, your love has brought me joy. It's brought me comfort. And not just joy, but what kind of joy? Much joy. It's amplified there. Uh, he says, I've come to the point where you've given me reason to rejoice. And boy, as he set this all, and not only do we see Paul and how we're to express it to other believers, but then we see Philemon in the very nature that he had because of an, a conversion of what happened to him. And I like this word, because um, the hearts of the saints, the word there is splankna. And some of you are probably familiar with it. We've said it many times. It has to do with the inner most person, the bowels, the affections that are there. You know, it's, it, you can feel it. And, and, and we're talking about the feeling. It's the seed of emotions. The seed of feelings here. And, and in a true biblical way. Uh, people in trouble or people with feelings, people suffering and hurting and, and struggling. And they found you to be a blessing, Philemon. Can you imagine him giving them the gospel and then they struggle as time goes on and he's there he's been there people know it and the people just found you to be a, a super blessing and he says you refreshed them they've been refreshed through you brother it's a military term for refreshed I think this is really real cool about this because it's it's like a it's used for an army and an army that's marching and they stop and they rest after a long march. They stop and they rest. He says, you bring people rest. You can imagine at that time. And they become Christians and some of their family members had disowned them. Maybe they lost their job. Who knows what all the things could have happened because of that. And he says, you came to them, whatever their need was, and you gave them rest. You refreshed them. You renewed people. Yeah, it's like an oasis out in the desert. Refreshment, that's a good way to put it. Right, he had this house, and so whatever it took, he he did it. He had the blessings to give out. Right. So, Paul's heart is filled with uh, gladness, and and it means he, he took the pressure off people. The pressures were removed. That Greek term really fills out a lot there. Um, there's an inward pleasure in uh, rest and refreshment and comfort that Paul had from Philemon. So he's not just buttering up to do that, but he's saying really what he means, but it's it's definitely something to put forth there. He's saying, with all of that, brother... (laughs) And, of course, he'll get into now what uh, his whole theme of this anyway as he gives the plea uh, to Onesimus starting the next section there. Anyway, we'll uh, close for tonight. Thank you guys for all of the really precious, fresh insights. That was really good. Definitely a fellowship type thing centered around God's Word tonight, isn't it? And uh, appreciate it. Very helpful.
Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank You for this evening. Thank You for Your precious Word. May we be like a Philemon with that kind of character. And we all have the capacity to do what You ask us to do because You've given that to us. Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we're bound in this fellowship that You have made. And You are the one that starts the unity. We don't even start that. It's all You. You've given it for us to maintain. And that's what Paul wanted to do is maintain the fellowship here between these two men and would expand to the the whole church back at Colossae. What a glorious aspect that would be. And You get all the glory, Lord. Help us learn even more. Help us to have that epignosis of all the things that You've given, whether it be forgiveness or whatever it is You want us to practice. It's all by Your power. It's all by You. We know we don't choose it on our own, but You are the one that sets it up in us and now that we can work it out. And as we go about the rest of this week, Lord, we live for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.